Hey guys, thanks for joining us on Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel Las Vegas. Subscribe to us on Apple and Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify to get notified when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas and visit our website, praisechapellasvegas.com, to find out more about us and give online. Thanks again for joining and enjoy today's message. Say that with me. Others. It's about the church. And, you know, after such a great move of God through many years of Praise Chapel Las Vegas ministry, I, can, I understand you've celebrated over 20 years of ministry, right? Over 20 years. Come on, give the Lord a hand, will you? 20 years. A lot of churches don't make it past the first year or five years. It's tough sometimes out there, but here you are, and here we are together, so that's really good. But I know you might be asking yourself, particularly those of you that have been in church for a few years, what's next? I know that we as pastors, we pray every year, Lord, what's the theme for next year? What direction do you want us to go in as a mouthpiece for God? And uh, having pastored myself 30 years, we still ask the Lord that. Where do we go from here? How can we sustain and exceed what we've already experienced? And you know, the answer really isn't that difficult. It's actually loud and clear in the Word of God. And uh, I'll tell you what I told my church after this pandemic, which isn't completely over yet, but I think that just the you know, the severity of it might be. Um, We got to continue reaching outward. How many can say amen to that? I mean, that's, some things never change. I mean, style changes, right? My kids tell me, dad, nobody wears that anymore. Dad, you got to shave the mustache. Dad, you got to hold the mic like this, you know, and everything's changing. Styles change. But thank God the word of God doesn't change. Listen, methods change, but principles never change. And so what I want to talk about this morning uh, for a few minutes here is evangelism, good old-fashioned soul winning, and reaching others after being hit so hard with all of the discouragements, the disappointments, and the, the issue of COVID and all of that thing. Our main text is found in Luke chapter 4, beginning with verse 32. And if you were able to get that up here, I tip my hat to you because that's a lot of scripture. Brandon, you do a good job up here, by the way, you know? good-looking young man up here giving announcements, huh? I said, look at that. Young and handsome. I used to be both at one time, but anyway. Luke chapter 4, verse 32, the Bible says, And they were astonished at his teaching, speaking about Jesus, for his word was with authority. How many agree with that? God's word is with authority. Now in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice saying, let us alone. What are we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know uh, uh, who you are, the Holy One of Israel, or the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked the demon saying, see, he didn't talk to demons. We got to stop talking to the devil and conversing with him and negotiating with him. We need to give him the word of God and tell him where to go. He says, he says here, but Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, he came out of him and did not hurt him. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is. For with authority and power, Jesus commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. They obey. And the report about him went out into all the place in the surrounding region. 
I just wanted to bring the scripture out to let you know about the power of the ministry of Jesus Christ, which is still going on today, by the way. These aren't stories that we read in the Bible and say, well, that was nice, or wow, that must have been awesome, or, you know, just for education purposes. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If God declared that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, how many believe that he can still save, heal, deliver, touch, restore, rebuild, enhance? Come on, God can do all of these things. But I'm not done yet. Let's read about another miracle. Verse 38, it kind of shifts into another miracle. Now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever. That was his mother-in-law. High fever. Uh, I won't say anything more about that. And he made request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and he rebuked the fever and it left her. And immediately she arose and served him. God even loves our in-laws. Yeah, prayed over her. She got instantly healed. You want to hear another miracle? Of course you do. Verse 40. It says, when the sun was setting, all those who, uh, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to Jesus and he laid his hands on every one of them. How many of them? Every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many crying it out and saying, you're the Christ, the son of God. Now I want you to listen carefully. Verse 42. Now, when it was day, Jesus departed. I want you to pay close attention now because I know we're doing a lot of reading. Are you with me? Now, when it was day, Jesus departed and went into a deserted place, and the crowd sought him and came to him. And what did, he, what did they do? And tried to keep him from leaving them. For good reason. He was doing a lot of miracles. We don't want you to go, Jesus. It says they tried to keep him from leaving them, but Jesus said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. After having witnessed firsthand all these miracles, miracles that we experience in the church too, we get people saved in the church, delivered in the church. I mean, God only knows the depth and the, and the height and the depth that God goes into so many people's lives. There's things that we've, we've done in our lives that we don't want to share with any man, but God knows and he just delivered us from those things. But after having witnessed firsthand a demon-possessed man being powerfully delivered from uh, 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 demon possession there, a miracle, uh, people looked at him and they said, listen, you got to stay here, man. Things are happening. Stay here in the church. But Jesus said, I've got to go reach others. He actually said that. I, I'd like to stay with you here, but you've got to release me to go and reach others. And that's what my purpose in life really is. That's why I've come into this world. So the first point I want to make, I think i got like a three-point sermon here. Jesus and his church has a clear purpose. This is not an accident, by the way. This is not something that's been orchestrated, this church service here on Sunday morning, where he said, well, let's just decide to get together and let's do three songs and and a testimony and a couple of announcements and and let's just kind of do this and see what happens. This is calculated. Everything we do in this church is mirrored uh, from the New Testament church that was launched out in the book of Acts. It's all calculated. There's a purpose behind everything we do. You're giving. There's a purpose for your giving. Yeah, they got to pay the rent. No, no, there's a deeper purpose to your giving where God has always kept something for himself called a tithe. I asked uh, somebody in my church the other day, what was the first recorded tithe in the Bible? And they said, "Uh, Abraham and Melchizedek. Hey, that's pretty good. That's Old Testament. You're right. That was an early tithe where Abraham recognized Melchizedek, even though there's no lineage in the Bible, and we can't trace his background or where he came from. The Bible did say that he was a priest. So Abraham, listen now, Abraham says, I will tithe to a higher spiritual authority. 
In other words, even if I skip church, I've got to give to a higher spiritual authority. I've got to give because, see, that's what God always uh, 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 demanded of all of us, that we release 10%. But that wasn't the first tithe. And he said, no, I always heard it was. The first tithe ever recorded in the Bible was Old Testament, Abraham and Melchizedek. I said, no, it was the creation of man, Adam and Eve, where God says, this tree belongs to me. That's, a, that's in principle, that's a tithe. You can have all of the garden, enjoy all my blessing, but there's something reserved for God. There'll always be in mankind a, a, a necessary point, and that is this, that we got to take some of what we have and release it to God. And the Lord said, this tree is mine, don't touch it. Of course, you know uh, the sin nature of man. After they fell in sin, they, they went ahead and took it, and they, dealt, they, they said, we want it all. We're not satisfied with 90% of the garden. We want 100% of it. We have people today that do the same thing. I'm not satisfied. Uh, I got to have it all. And so you get what you get. But I'll tell you this right now, and I'll make you a promise. You'll be able to do a lot more with the 90% that you have than you would ever do with the 100% by robbing God. But here's the point. If we're not careful in church, because everything has a purpose and everything has a reason. The way we worship, the way we pray, the way we give, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, you name it. It's all here in the church. How many thank God for church? You ought to thank God for it. But if we're not careful, we can sit and relax and have no intention of reaching others. We could have church service after church service, sermon after sermon, month after month, event after event, year after year. No matter what's preached, the lost remain unreached. I'm going to challenge your thinking here this morning. I, I hope I can get away with it. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. 1 Corinthians, really quick, 1 Corinthians 10, 24, let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Hebrews 13, 16, but do not forget to share with, are you with me? Others, for with such sacrifices, God is well-pleased. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Say it with me, church. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Jude 23, the first part of that scripture, save Others by snatching them from the fire. Others, 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 others. Do you know there's 493 references in the Word of God to others? God has always had others in mind. Why? Well, because God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 2 Peter 3 9. The first part of that scripture, or the last latter part of that scripture. God, that's why. That's why we got to be about others. God is about others. Thank God he was about others when he found you in sin and brought you to a saving knowledge of Christ. See, God's always been about reaching other people. And we could even rephrase, if it's okay to do that, I guess, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, by saying, in the beginning, God made others. Because the Bible says in the beginning, God created, and he starts going down this long list of things that he created. But you know what? When God made creation, he did so with others in mind. Let me prove this to you. Every plant has another plant inside of it, a seed. Every animal has another one inside of it, the potential to recreate itself. Every fish has another inside of it. And even Adam and Eve had others inside of them. And when God started creation, he gave creation the ability to reproduce 
The Bible says, be fruitful and multiply, one of the early commands. It's a creational mandate. Now listen, not just physically, but let's move this spiritually. It's a creational mandate that the church reproduces itself. And let's be honest and real. I've been pastoring a long time. Pastor Art and Marie, they've been pastoring quite a few years now. The church will only grow when we start caring more about others than we do just our own self. I'm going to bring this to a good point. We are to duplicate ourselves. How do we do that in the context in which I'm referring to? By reaching others with the life-saving gospel of Jesus Christ. Just to get out there and put yourself out there and say, I'm going to tell someone about the Lord. I'm going to tell someone about the church. I'm going to tell somebody about my salvation experience. I'm going to tell somebody that Jesus came. He died on a cross for your sins. He was buried, but he didn't stay there. He rose again the third day. I'm not talking about a statue, a picture, a religious thing. I'm talking about the real living Savior. And we see it throughout Scripture. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Paul said to Timothy, now teach these truths to other trustworthy and faithful people who will be able to pass them on to others. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And this is not new. In the beginning, God said, multiply, fill the earth and reach others. And if you want to know what your purpose is, you say, Pastor, I'm still trying to figure out what my purpose in life is. Read the Bible and you'll find your purpose. Because our purpose is found in the Word of God. Our purpose has got to be connected to God's purpose for us. I'm, I'm giving you something good here. You didn't need a good place to say amen because there are people in the streets. Ask anybody in the streets, why are you here? They say, here at the, at the market? No, no, here on earth. Why are you here? Most people can't tell you. But we know why we're here. Everyone in here should know because if you belong to this church, if you've been to this church longer than a month, you know what your purpose is by now. It's to live for Jesus Christ and it's to care more about others than yourself. So Jesus and his church has a purpose. Can you say amen? Now, let me tell you something else as I shift gears. Jesus will not be contained. Mm -mm. He refuses to be limited with his power and his presence in his church. He will not be contained. And the Bible says, and they tried to keep him from leaving them, but he said to them, no, I must reach others. We're not going to contain, here we go, we're not going to contain Jesus to the four walls of this building. Jesus is radical, church, when it comes to reaching others. Oh, yeah, you read about Jesus. He was radical. I, I, he didn't dodge anything. He was right there. There were protests going on, and he was preaching, healing the sick, uh, opening blind eyes, you name it. He was always there in the forefront. There were a couple of times he had to escape after his preaching because he would have been mauled, and he knew he had to last a little longer than that. But I got to tell you that because some people think of Jesus as very manageable. I came to Vegas to preach a very challenging sermon here. Jesus will not be tamed. He will not be controlled by anyone. He will not be housebroken. He's not trying to fit in. He's radical. He's called the lion of the tribe of Judah for a reason. He's not your pet cat to be stroked on your lap. He's not a fashion accessory. He's not a picture on your wall. Come on. He's not a statue you can visit. He's not, he's not a statue. Listen now. He's not a statue that we can conveniently look on at it and move on to the next thing we want to do. He's God and he will not be ignored. He can't be persuaded, manipulated, bargained with. He's God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the kind of God we serve. 
Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, he says, I'm the Lord and I change not. And I'm only preaching like this because sometimes we want to keep Jesus right where we want him. We take him out when we want him. We put him away when we don't need him. Psalms 115, verse 3, our God is in heaven and he does whatever pleases him. Jesus is not an option. Coming to church service shouldn't be an option. Do you know what? I'm going to be real. Can I be open here, Pastor Art? Do you know why I'm in Vegas this weekend? Because I went to the very first car show I've ever been to. I can't go to car shows because they're always on Sunday. And I go to church on Sunday. Now, I know some folks, they'll do whatever's, whatever comes up that's better than church. They'll do it. And I've heard all the, you got to give me a break here. I'm a 30-year pastor. I'm a veteran in this thing. I've heard every excuse. I had to go furniture shopping Sunday. Where were you, brother? I haven't seen you. Uh, you know, we went to the beach. I said, on Sunday, on the Lord's Day? I went here. I went there. Some people just don't tell you where they've been, but you see them on Facebook, on Disney rides. and So they bust themselves, you know. All I'm saying is, come on now, Jesus. <laughs> He's God. So let me finish my story. So I said, hey, I get to go to my first car show, and it's on Saturday in Vegas. But you know what? I'll be honest with you. The reason why I invited myself, quote, unquote, or the reason why I said, hey, Pastor Art, Maria, we're going to be in town, is because I'd rather go to church on Sunday morning and hang out in a hotel room or some casino. I'd rather be in church. I don't like to miss church. And since I'm missing my church service by tra uh, traveling over here, I'd like to be at church. So here I am with all you good people. I'd rather do this than anything else. Come on. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 19.21, it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. So let's get on board with Jesus. His purpose is going to prevail, so we might as well be on board with Jesus. How many feel that makes some sense? All right. Jesus told the church, I've come for others. He doesn't care how change bothers some people. He doesn't care who's sitting in your seat this morning. He says, I'm all about reaching others. You can come with me if you want, but I'm not going to be stifled if you don't respond. I'm God. I'll not become addicted to your approval of me. That's what he was facing. Because quite frankly, if I was in a church... And the pastor and the leadership said, man, you're awesome. Don't go. Don't leave. We'll take care of you here. You never have to worry about anything, pastor. I might think about staying if it wasn't for others. Jesus said, I'll not be addicted to your approval of me. I've got to go fill my purpose. There's others to reach. There's others that are lost. And for this purpose, he says, I've been sent. So when we stop trying to tame him and corral him and mold him into what we want him to be, let's release Jesus to be what he is and do what he came to do. And to do that, here you go. This is the big one. I love the service here today. I love the worship. It was good prayer. Even before church had some prayer. And, and God is here. God is in this place. 
He even says, I'll dwell in my house in a place that I don't dwell anywhere else. There'll be a corporate anointing I can pour out upon you that you can't experience on your own. That's for all of you uh, uh, that might say, well, I don't need to go to church. You know, during this pandemic, a lot of things changed. It was almost like a sifting. No, I, we appreciate our online congregation because uh, Praise Chapel Las Vegas, you're a part of this congregation online or a visitor here online. But what we're saying is this. If there's any way you can make it, make it back to church. I've had, you know, all of the churches got hit hard. And I'll tell you, the church has been put to the test. Because for years we've been saying over this pulpit, the church is not the four walls of a building, it's you. And now we've been put to the test. And there's been a sifting because there's some people that got used to watching us online that don't want to come back. But that's all I'm going to say about that. If there's any way you can make it back, make it back. I had one family that was coming to my church for a couple of years, and we kind of followed up on them. I hadn't seen them in a while, and the pandemic thing is, especially in Orange County, it's, at a, it's an all-time low right now. Things are going well, thank God. And we, we hit them up and said, hey, we haven't seen you in a long time. Everything's fine. You can still wear a mask if you like. We got sanitizer all over the place. You know, you can have the, uh, the sanitizer shower, the hand, the whatever you want to do. We'll get you all sanitized. No problem. We want you back. And you know what, the, you know what they told us? They told us, oh, we're, we're not feeling it right now. And I said, oh, Lord, help us. There's a corporate blessing and anointing that you experience only when we come together. And if you can't get here, we love you. And we're glad you're watching online and you're with us online. But listen, because Jesus is all about these things, we need to be about these things. Evangelism, soul winning, reaching other people is the heartbeat of God. I love what God does in here and with us. It's a blessing. We need it. We get our batteries recharged. We get equipped. By the way, that's your pastor's job. Hey, what's the pastor do? Well, he's got a full-time job, but he's got another full-time job, and that's the church. But you know what his calling is? You know what his MO is here? The equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Man, pastor's always asking us to do things. Well, of course, that's his calling. That's his mandate, is to equip the saints, prepare them, teach them, train them for the work of the ministry. So that a visitor can walk into a building like this and say, wow, this is nice. Wow, the people are so kind. Wow, I feel something I've never felt before. This is different than, than some club meeting or social gathering. It's the church, and we're alive and well. Jesus will not be contained. You see, the church... They said, Jesus, will you just stay here with us? Because we know each other. We're having a good time. We even know where we're going for lunch after service. We got it down. I mean, we got this. This, is, this feels good. And we do. We enjoy coming to church and seeing people. Here, the gentleman here that I've been seeing here for years. And the first thing I thought of, and I didn't tell you, brother, was he's still here. He's still here. You know, longevity says volumes about your commitment to God. Because I've seen and met a lot of popcorn Christians. Right? They're the ones in the front row at the altar saying, Yes, Jesus, hallelujah. And then they disappear. 
And you kind of wonder, where are they? What happened? I'm just having a good time here, relaxing. I'm probably saying all the things that I want to say to my church, but no, I do, I do. Jesus, listen, we want to keep them here. And they wanted to keep them. Capernaum, they, they said, listen, why, why don't you stay here? We'll put you up in a room. We'll, we'll take care of you. We'll give you, you, you know, we, we want you here. You're doing an awesome work. Why do you have to leave? He says, I'll tell you why. It's because I'm all about others. And church, it's awesome what God's doing here in our congregation, in this church here, but we got to get out and invite others to experience the same thing. we got to get back out. Don't let a pandemic stop you. Don't let uh, social media stop you. Don't let any kind of thing stop you from doing what Jesus did by saying, this is my purpose, is to reach others. If you don't remember anything, remember that. Others. Jesus expects his church not to go to an outreach, but to be an outreach. Because we got to wait for an outreach. When's the next outreach? Oh, we don't have one till next month. Okay, we're fine then. Between now and then, we don't have to say anything or do anything. But Jesus wants, man, I'm preaching it today. I'm going for the nose. They say if you only have one punch, you go for the nose. But let me tell you this. Honestly, God doesn't want you just to go to an outreach. He wants you to be an outreach anywhere you go. Go, you, you want ministry? You say, I want ministry, but the pastor won't give it to me. Start in the streets. Go, go, go to, a, go to a, a, an urgent care and stand there with all their masks and all their fear and all of their crying and all their dismay and say, Jesus loves you. Can I pray for anybody? I go to hospitals all the time. I'm a chaplain, so for the fire department, I'm always going to these hospitals. Man, I've seen some of those powerful miracles happen in hospitals where people have written them off already, and God's doing miracles. Jesus told a story about a shepherd who left the 99 sheep to go after the one that went astray. How many remember that story in the Bible? But think about that for a minute. Here's a shepherd that left 99 sheep to go after the one. Now, what shepherd in his right mind would do something like that? A real shepherd. Think about it. It's mathematically, economically ridiculous. Well, think about it on these terms. We're the 99 that are safe, but there's something missing here at Praise Chapel Las Vegas, and it's others. That one that's not here that's going to die in their sins if we don't get out there and bring them in. We're not complete without others. In other words, please, I expect everybody here, because I know I do, I'm grateful, but I'm not satisfied. As long as they're sinners, as long as there's others, I can't be satisfied. I can be grateful. God, I thank God for my church. I thank God for my friends. Because I don't want anybody to misunderstand me or misquote me when you leave here saying, Pastor says that we're not important. No, this is crucially important. This is very important what we have here. But what's equally important, if not more, is that we extend ourselves to others. Do you agree with me on that? We've got to reach out. We all have a responsibility not to turn Praise Chapel Las Vegas into another Capernaum the church that wanted Jesus just to stay put and stay here only. Let's read part of our text again. It says, And the crowd tried to keep him from leaving them. They tried to keep him. 
But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. We must not become a church where we keep Jesus from being extended to other people. We've got to reach out and say it with me, to others. Say others. Jesus said, if you keep your life, you'll lose it. But if you give your life away, you'll find it again. What's he talking about? That principle of being bigger than yourself by having a vision for the loss. And we need that back in our church today. The key to life is not keeping what you have. It's sharing what you have to others. And when we stop becoming others-minded and start keeping Jesus just to ourselves and our services, we miss the heart of God. And we end up walking through others and not even seeing them. I have a pastor in our fellowship, Pastor Gilbert Castillo. He's got a, a, I won't say a unique ministry. It's probably what we all should do. But he's got a street uh, evangelism ministry. He doesn't even have a building. All he does, and he's an ordained pastor, and it's a little bit different because most of our churches have churches like this, a building, but he doesn't have a building. You know what he does? Week in and week out, he's out in the streets preaching. He's got everybody in the city of Westminster. They know him. The police department, they know him. They give him a city block, a whole block where they actually give him a cul-de-sac. He sets up his stuff in his truck. He puts up his speakers, and he has church right out there in the streets. And you know what he calls his ministry? The Invisible People Ministry. I said, why'd you call it that? It should be like, you know, what about Praise Chapel? What about Firehouse? What about, uh, you know, the, the church on fire? What, you know, something. I don't know what. It, he says it's called the Invisible People's Ministry because the homeless and the hurting seem invisible to most people. They just walk right by like they don't see you. They don't even look at you. They see your home and they just don't even want to go there. But he says, I'm going to be the cure to that in Jesus' name. The call of God will always be, it always has been, it always will be, to others. And we've learned how to take care of the 99 pretty well in our churches. But we forgot that at one time we were that one that was astray. So I'm putting out a challenge to help out your pastors to grow this church. And I've heard people say, well, numbers don't matter. Well, that, why'd they write a book in the Bible called Numbers then? <laughs> numbers do matter to God. Because numbers are souls. Now, I, I do agree that we're not into numbers to a point where, uh, you know, how many you got in your church and, you know, you know, I, when I started pastoring, I'll be honest with you, when I first started pastoring, it was all about build, build, people, people. And, and, and I remember the Holy Spirit speaking to me one time. And when I said, Lord, I, you know, we need a bigger church and we need more people. And we need, why? Well, um, success. But the real reason is is that God's into people. If we want to grow, let it be for a healthy reason, and that is because we love people, and we want people to be saved. Who are these others that Jesus told us to reach out to? They're not, they're not hard to find. They're not hard to find. You don't have to search far. Our cities, our workplace, our schools, our neighborhoods are full of them. A man asked Jesus one time what the most important commandment was, and Jesus said, number one, to love God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Remember that? But the second is like unto the first, love others as you do yourself. I want people to experience what we have here this morning. Don't you? I mean, look at all the stuff God has saved you from. How many of you have a testimony? You could raise your hand and say, man, I, I wasn't always a church kid. I wasn't always a church guy. Anybody could raise your hand and say, I got a background. I got some stuff that was kind of embarrassing. Thank God my wife forgave me. How many, how, how many could raise your hand and say, I thank God I'm here because if I'd stayed where I was, 
I'd been in a psychiatric ward, an AIDS ward. Come on, you remember those days when nobody wanted you around? You show up for Thanksgiving, so there he is, man. Okay, okay, be cool. Yeah, oh yeah. Any troublemakers? Anybody ever troublemaker? We got one or two here, some rowdy guys, and say, yeah. We weren't invited. They used to ask me to carve the turkey, then all of a sudden, I don't even get an invitation no more. But others, are you listening to me? I said, others are waiting for the church. Well, Pastor, what if they don't receive what I say? Then move on to the next one. Every no is nudging you towards someone else's yes. Don't stop because somebody didn't want it. Keep going. Don't get discouraged, disappointed. There'll always be others out there to reach, and so we got to look at it that way. We don't usually get that. We don't usually understand that, that we just move on and keep going. The cults get it. They understand it. They go door to door, rejected, doors slammed in their face, and they just keep going, happy as can be. And they're cultic. Many of us are so afraid of rejection that we do nothing. At the first sign of rejection, we get embarrassed, we get afraid, so we close up shop. But not Jesus. He simply said, I'm called to reach others. Matthew 25, 35. I want to read some more scripture here. Are you with me, Praise Chapel? Jesus said, and here we go. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked for me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we ever see you a stranger and invite you in, or needed clothes to clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, because it's a parable, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Sometimes we forget this, folks. That when you bless somebody, when you pray for somebody, when you feed somebody, when you share the gospel with somebody, it's like you're doing it unto Christ. Now, whatever you thought the final shakedown would be, here it is. It won't be how gifted you are, uh, what, what church people say about you, how big the church is. won't be about how blessed we were. won't be that we spoke in tongues or glowed in the dark or whatever it is we do. The bottom line is Jesus will ask all of us one question. Are you ready, church? Did you help others? Woo! That's the final shakedown. When we get to heaven, he's going to say, I'm glad you're here, but who'd you bring with you? Please tell me after 20 years of being a Christian, 10 years, 8 years, 40 years, please tell me you didn't come here by yourself. Because Jesus loves others. As a matter of fact, God might even ask the hurting out there, did the church help you? Did Praise Chapel help you? Did they come to you? Did they find you? Did they have ministries that reached out to you? Did they include you? And if the poor, the lost, and the needy respond, I ever, never even heard of the church. Don't get me wrong. I said there's a lot of benefits to belonging to Praise Chapel. A lot of benefits. 
But if it doesn't include others, it'll go up in smoke. There's a reason why this church has lasted 20 years plus. Like I said, statistically, it's kind of scary. Most churches don't make it past the first five years. It's not an easy thing to do. But God is with you. I said, God is with you. And you're doing something right. But what do you say we continue? How much does your salvation mean to you? Oh, thank God you took the time to touch me in a place of obscurity in my life. And you took the time. You left the 99. And you found me. And brought me in. And my wife's been thanking God for that ever since. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I think. <laughs> She's the better end of this deal, by the way. She sure is. I just want to stand before God and say, God, I fought the good fight. Come on. Paul was able to get there and say, I fought the good fight. In the 11th hour of his life, before he was going to pass on and see Jesus for eternity, he said, I fought the good fight. I've held on to eternal life. I've done what you called me to do. I want to be able to see God whenever that is, when I'm 100 years old. Whenever it is, when I, when I go to see God, I want to be able to say, I did what I could. I reached out to people. I helped others. When the dust settles and the record is read, I want to be able to say, that we reached others. Where does it all start? Well, it starts right here. Good, whoever said that. You, you got it right. I think it's important that we help one another here at church first. You know why? It's so we're not trying to export something that we're not doing ourselves. If you can't love here and give here and serve here, what makes you think you're going to do it out there? It's called false advertisement. It starts here at this church. This is where we come to the altar. This is where we come to our pastor and say, Pastor, I'm your armor bearer. What do you want to do? Just tell me what it is What did you want. What do you see in me? What do you, what do you want to do? And I'm going to back you up. It starts here. And the truth is we have a harvest field right in here. I'm not contradicting myself. I'm just saying this is where it starts. It starts here as we, even as believers, that we repent before God and say, God, I want you to take me to another level. Everything that I've learned, everything that I've done, I, I want to take it to another level. I want to see other people get saved. How many here have family members that still need to be saved? Raise your hand nice and high. And God's watching right here. God's blessing you right now. Come on, we keep praying in the name of Jesus. Touch our loved ones, God. It starts right here with me. I'm not going to hold back anymore. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to get sidetracked. God, use me. Help me. i got to deliver a message to my family. I love them. I don't want to see them in hell. Whatever it is that you've received in the way of revelation, salvation, blessing, it's got to be passed on to others. Say that with me. Others. You know, we come to church here, especially a church like this, and we get filled. And we get filled. And we get filled. But there's got to be an out. There's got to be an expression. It's like, it's like living water, right? I mean, the, the bottle's full of living water. But I think you quoted that in the prayer. You said that. You said, everyone touch your stomach. I knew where you were going with that, by the way. Because out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. There's got to be a flow. we got to not just take it in. 
If we just take in and we don't have an outlet, we become spiritually constipated. Some of us are in dire need of a movement. This is online here. I'm sorry. What good is us getting filled week after week after week without an expression of that fullness? Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. In other words, it starts here. I, I want to make that very clear so I didn't leave here thinking that I'm, I'm slamming the church. Uh, this is the best thing that we have going for us in the world. There's nothing that compares with the phenomenon of the New Testament church. There's nothing that compares with the church today. We are the catalyst. We are the ones that are holding all this together, are the prayers of the saints. The Bible says it avails much. This world's being held together by praying saints and a God that's gracious enough not to pass judgment on us right now. As a matter of fact, if you read the book of Revelation, there's a conversation that went on where the saints of God in heaven are saying, pass judgment. This is in the book of Revelation. Go, Jesus. What's holding you back? Let's do this. Let's end this. Judge him. And Jesus says back and says, I can't. There's still more that's going to get saved. I can't do it yet. I'm going to wait to the very end, to the very second, to the very millisecond, as long as there are others. My job's not done. Even on the cross, when Jesus was hung, hung on a cross and he was dying, and he's gasping for air, and he's going, <gasps> and I don't have to go through the physical torture he went through. He's just being hung in the position he's in, and all the weight there made it very difficult. Asphyxiation, it's the worst way to go. It's a very slow, torturous death. And even in his last breath, he could have easily said, that's done, it's over. But before he said, it is finished, you know what he did? He led a sinner next to him. He took another deep breath, and he said, Lord, God, Father, forgive him. And the devil was in hell having a party with his demons. And he looked up and said, is this man ever going to stop? We got him on a cross. We nailed him to a cross and he's still winning souls. Because God always values to the very end. There's a spiritual energy crisis in the world around us. We're being filled. There's a purpose for us being filled here. As I look out at all you wonderful people, there's a reason why God's filling you up here. And it's not only so you could go, woo. I mean, that's good. I love feeling good. I mean, you give me a choice between feeling good and feeling horrible, I'll pick feeling good any day. But that's not the purpose. The purpose is to bless you enough so you could bless. Oh, you're getting it good, man. I only get five more minutes and you'll have it down. Jesus and his church has a clear purpose. He won't be contained. He expects his church to be an extension of himself. And reach others. Can we go home with that today? And say, Lord, help me 
to be a conduit for your purpose. All we have to do, the last thing I want to say, is don't be distracted. You know, I got introduced, uh, Pastor Maria, to our Filipinos here. I introduced myself and I shared with them, I've been to the Philippines 14 missions trips to the Philippines in the last 30 years. I was going every year with Ray Figueroa all the time. And uh, anyway, I, I go there and I was talking about uh, how humble they are. And how there's such a great revival in the Philippines. I know there's a lot of Catholicism, but there's a huge revival with born-again Christians there. And I'll never forget a drive that I took from the airport. Some Filipino pastors picked me up from the airport to take me to Pastor Sammy Morris's uh, place. And as I was going through, one of, the, one of the pastors said, Pastor, you see that building over there? It was like a high-rise building. I said, yeah. He said, I used to work in that building. I used to work in that building. He seemed pretty proud, you know. And I said, why don't you work there anymore? And he looked at me and he says, because it does not fit in God's schedule. And I, I, I got that. And I said, my God, here I'm going to minister to a bunch of people, and they're ministering to me in the van on the way to the church. <laughs> number, number one killer, I don't think is fornication, Alcohol, I mean, those are big ones. But you know what it is? One of the biggest ones is distraction. And we don't reach others because we're too busy. And our priorities aren't right. Imagine this man here who, who earned a living. He says, I used to work there. I had a good job, in other words. But it didn't fit in God's schedule. I imagine they had him work Sundays or Wednesday nights. He was so committed to his church. And now he's a pastor. And that one pastor has now planted 34 churches at this time. And that was years later. Praise God. It makes a big difference. So, if you don't remember anything else, remember.